All right. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for your goodness. It's in your presence that we experience sheer delight. So Holy Spirit, in this moment, I pray that you would speak through the power of your word. Would you hide me behind your cross? Thankful for Jesus today. Thankful for the chance to gather. Whatever way that looks like, pray that you'd overcome those obstacles as well. So Holy Spirit, would you speak in this moment? We love you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Alright, so I don't know where you're watching me right now. But it could be in one of a lot of places, I think. But uh, sorry about the technical difficulty. We'll uh, we'll try to get some recording or something up for you to watch it a little bit uh, better. But I am glad that you're here. If you're a guest of ours watching somewhere online or in the room, my name is Mitch. I have the joy of being one of the pastors and elders here. And uh, we've been this summer studying... The Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon ever written. Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. And so you can't get a better sermon than what Jesus preached. Amen? Yeah. So we got Jesus preaching, but I want to take a few moments, our few moments this morning, to preach to you from the subject of this subject, a better reward. If you're taking notes... Uh, on the YouVersion Bible app, or if you got them online somewhere, uh, that's the first blank. A better reward. You know, we live in a culture that understands reward, don't we? Our whole society is built off of it. We, we understand that everybody's working for someone, right? We, we get that. We live in that kind of culture, that concept of reward. If you work, you get what? Paid, right? Everyone, everybody, paid. We know, we speak that language. Pay me, right? If you're a UFC fan, last night was all about getting paid, right? And so, wherever, wherever you understand that, right? We can even go farther than that, right? We understand an eye for an eye. A tooth for a tooth. We, 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 we live in this concept. We're all about climbing the ladder of success. I'm speaking in a language that you totally understand if you are a part of the 21st century United States of America. How about this one? There's no such thing as a free lunch, right? We get it. We get it. I'll I'll share a personal story. I I grew up just north of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in the great northeast. And um, how should I put this? When I was growing up, when I was three, my mom had a tumor grow through her spinal cord. And so, uh, this isn't going to be a sad story, so we're just, I just need you to understand the context of how I grew up, right? And so, uh, she's a wonderful woman, she did a great job mothering, but as you can imagine, living out of a wheelchair, so I tell people this, from the, from the belly up, she's completely normal, she just didn't have use of her legs, and so, um, she had to get creative with how she could love me and be my mom, and you know, she wasn't going to go outside and play baseball with me, or you know, any kind of that stuff. So she would find other ways. And one of the ways that looking back now uh, at that I'm married and to my amazing wife and we have three kids. As I look back, I recognize now that there were some things my my mother did because it was a way for her to love me because she lived out of a wheelchair that my wife 
was not going to do. Are you tracking with me, those of you who are married? Yeah, all the wives in here are like, yes. <laughs> there are some things mom did that I'm not going to do. And so what, it was so funny. One of those things, it's funny now. I, I don't think it was funny then. But in like it must have been the first week that Camden and I were married. Um, one of the things my mom would do for me, especially as I was a teenager, if you have teenagers who have been around them, you know they can eat. Right. And so I, I would I would eat. And because just my mom was sweet and loving and I was her baby boy, I have an older sister who ran roughshod through the family and uh, loves Jesus. But she was our she was our uh, rebel, if you will. So I just had it really easy growing up. I'm not going to lie. Thank you, Steph. But my mom would just she would one of the things I loved and we had this connection was she would make me sandwiches at night. Like, we would have dinner, and then about 9 or 10 p.m., I think my mom may even be watching this somewhere, and is probably nodding in agreement. She would just she would make me sandwiches, and it was awesome. And how many of you know, the first week of my marriage, as I sat on the couch and asked for a sandwich, if any of you know my wife, how do you think that went? It didn't. She'd be like, yeah, babe, all the stuff's in the pantry and the fridge, help yourself. You can make your own sandwich, right? Because why don't you make me a sandwich, right? Like, and so we, we just, we live in this world. We understand, and that, that's a joke, and my wife is wonderful. And, but yet we live in this culture where we understand the give and the take, don't we? We understand, do this, get that. And like everything we've looked at in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes these familiar concepts, these things that we all understand, these norms that we get, and he flips them upside down. He doesn't do away with them, but he takes them farther. He takes them beyond what we're doing on the outside and drives us deeper into what we're dealing with on the inside. We eat, sleep, and breathe this lifestyle, but Jesus often shows us a third way. Often takes us beyond because Jesus' whole kingdom is otherworldly, isn't it? It's why last week we talked about prayer, and the prayer that we pray is that His kingdom would come on earth just as it is in heaven. We pray that. And just to quickly catch you up, if you haven't been following on with us, at the end of chapter 5 is this statement that Jesus makes that is impossible. He says, be perfect, because your heavenly Father is perfect. And we've preached on that, so I don't want to take our time there. But uh, And then as it turns to chapter 6, we're offered this new kind of ethic. Where Jesus says there's a greater righteousness and the only greater righteousness than that of the Pharisees, the religious folk of the day, was Jesus himself. And so we need Jesus. Our vision is Jesus. He is, as Hebrews says, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's everything. You know, it might be a little confusing to just say the vision of our church is a man. But that is exactly what we mean. 
Because here's the reality. You don't need any of the things that I can give you. You do need Jesus. And so as we think about that and as we move into today in chapter 6, if you have a Bible, you can meet me in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in verse 16. But what this greater righteousness is really getting at is the fact that Jesus is more concerned with your inner peace than your external appearance. And that's hard for us in this culture, isn't it? Jesus is more concerned with your inner peace, shalom, than he is with your external appearance. And you can read all through the Gospels and Jesus' interaction with religious folk and unreligious folk. And his goal was never the outside appearance. It was always the internal peace that would lead to everything else. So we've looked at two examples of that so far in chapter 6. So that greater righteousness, Jesus dives right in with us and he talks about our money in chapter 6, doesn't he? And so we preached about that a few weeks ago, so you can catch up with that if you want on YouTube or the podcast. But he goes after our wallet because here's the reality. The sum of that next week will be where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Ouch. But it's true. We spend our money on what we value. I'll move on. The second one was prayer, right? Do we really understand the gospel if we don't pray? That's what we talked about last week, that when you understand who you are, Apart from Christ, and as Jesus says in John fifteen five, apart from him you can do nothing, we pray. We pray. And so we unpacked that last week, and then there's this third example that on the surface is still kind of familiar to us, but maybe not in the sense that we feel with our generosity and we feel with our prayer life. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Verse 16 to 18. And let's look at what Jesus says here. This is a third example of this new ethic, this greater righteousness that he's offering. And he he goes here because it's going to matter to these people. Matthew chapter 6 verse 16 says this. Whenever you fast. So you and I, we understand that. Still a familiar concept. Fasting. Sometimes we do intermittent fasting because we're trying to keep trim. And sometimes we fast because we want to focus on prayer and we still understand the concept, maybe not exactly how they did, but we we get it. Here's Jesus. When you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. That's hard. You don't eat for a few days. You're going to be gloomy. Can I get an amen in church? Yeah, maybe it's just me. For they disfigure their faces so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their what? What's it say? Reward. We're back to our concept now. Now, Jesus is going to take these familiar concepts, fasting and reward, right? So what he's saying is people in that day and age and even in ours would fast so that it would be obvious to people. 
And Jesus is saying, you're going to fast and you will have that reward. Jesus isn't saying you're not going to get anything out of it. He's not saying that at all. He's saying you, you might get that thing that you desired. That people would see that you're fasting. And for these folks, it was a religious thing. For us, it might be an appearance thing or a religious thing or whatever the case may be. But Jesus is going to take that familiar thing. He's going to offer this third way. Look at what he says here in verse 17. It says, but when you fast. So again, the assumption is that you're going to fast. The assumption is not that you're going to stop doing these things that they were doing. I think oftentimes we think Jesus is just like, blow everything up, you know, but that's not what he says. We were praying that his kingdom would come to this earth as it is in heaven. Not that this earth would go away. We look around, one of our core values is to serve the city. We love our city. We want our city to know the God that we know. We want his peace to come to our city. The name of our church is Redeemer City Church because when we dream about our city, if we were to think if God was to do that, bring his kingdom on earth just as it is in heaven, he wouldn't get rid of us all. He would redeem us all. He would make things right. He would bring peace on earth. Emmanuel, God with us. And so all of those things matter. And Jesus is saying, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. Now that, now we're getting unfamiliar, aren't we? How many of you put oil on your head this morning? Not like, not this oil. You didn't put olive oil on your head. I know there's some hair products that we got to use that have oil. Wash your face. Why? And then here's the difference. Here's the third way. Here's the better thing. So that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your father who is in secret. And listen to this. I told you that I wanted to talk to you about this subject of a better reward. Here it is. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And that's the difference. In the kingdom of God, there is a third way. There is a better way. It's not that he was doing away with the fasting and the rewarding. But he is saying, if you will go beyond the righteousness that is right in front of you, beyond the instant gratification of the approval of people, and take that beyond to your relationship with your heavenly father, there is a better reward. And so Jesus takes these two really familiar concepts and he's teaching us something that is a core value in the kingdom of God. And if you're not a Christian today, I just, I want you to know a few things about the Lord, about the kingdom of God. Jesus in his own words Right? Because we don't want you to reject what we have to say if you're not a Christian today. I want you to reject the real thing. What Jesus said in his own words is that his kingdom, his way, boils down to this. Love God with everything that you are. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Who would argue with that? If love your neighbor as yourself 
was really at the forefront of our society, would we have the problems that we have? We would not. The color of your skin would not determine how you are treated. It wouldn't. We would see you as you are. Created in the image of God by the most creative God on the planet. I've shared this before, but my favorite quote on that is from a pastor in North Carolina named Derwin Gray. And he always says, we are not colorblind, we are color blessed. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you would not want to be treated that way, we don't treat others that way. But it's born from loving God. Our vision has to go up before it can go out, right? If it just goes out without going up, without God coming in, without the inner peace happening before the external appearance, we'll just burn out and we'll give up. Love your neighbor as yourself. So two concepts, right? If you're taking notes, write these down. They're very obvious. Fasting and reward. I want you to think about those this week. Jesus says, whenever you fast, and let me just jump here real quick, just for a minute, because I think this is important. The assumption is that people are fasting, right? Jesus is saying to these people, you should still do the spiritual disciplines, right? You can think about any of that for us, right? If you were to come to me with an issue, the first thing that I'm going to do as we counsel is I'm going to ask you what you're doing with your relationship with the Lord. What does your morning look like? If we're struggling through the day, what does your morning look like? Because what does God say? Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. What are you doing when your head hits the pillow? If you're like me, you're probably experiencing a little anxiety, a little worry, a little, a little worry about the things of this life. And right now, more than ever. But Jesus says that he has a peace that passes all understanding. And he's offering it to you freely. Why aren't we experiencing that? I just think for your thought today, when you look at the concepts of fasting and reward, you could insert any spiritual practice there. Why do we plead with you to read your Bible? Why do we plead with you to get in a city group so that people will be around you? Why do we plead with you for those things? Because they work. They've become cliche because for thousands of years they've been the thing that the church of Jesus Christ has leaned on for his presence. And that's why Psalm 1611 can say, in his presence, there's sheer delight. That's not true of any other relationship on the earth. We have moments of that. <laughs> we have moments of pain. And so that's important. But for this group, the practice of fasting had become a spiritual popularity contest, hadn't it? Instead of a spiritual practice. People were fasting to put on a facade for those around them that they were super spiritual. And we, we have our own versions of that, whether it be Instagram or Facebook. Or, and I'm not here to pick on that stuff. I have all of them. But I am saying that there is an inner peace that has to happen before our external appearance. Shalom. I could go there more and I'm not going to. <laughs> it's just a temptation. But look in verse 17. Jesus 
takes those two familiar things and allows them to bring us into that third way. He says, instead, when you do these spiritual practices, when you fast, clean yourself up. Go about your business. Make this a spiritual part of your walk with God. In secret. And if you do, this is my paraphrase, He will reward you. We can have the instant gratification of the people around us or we can have the infinitely better reward that the Father up above offers. James, the brother of Jesus, who didn't believe in Jesus before he died and rose again, but then he watched his brother die, come back to life three days later, said this, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. There's a better way. There's a better reward. You can have the applause of men and women or you can have the better reward from your heavenly father. Come on, church. What do we want? What God has for us or what we have for us? And don't just answer that because it preaches well. Because the reality is, is that most days your pastor wants what's best for him. I'll just be honest with you. I'm no more spiritual than you are. Most days. What do we want? Do we want what God has for us? That's what we want. I know that's what you want. <laughs> I know that is. St. Paul, the apostle, great apostle, told the church in Colossae the same thing. He wrote this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. He said, whatever you do, do it from the heart. This is what we've been studying in the Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? We're so prone to wander to the external feelings and appearance, aren't we? Prone to wander. And Paul's encouraging this church that he loves to go back to the heart. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. It's so hard. It's been hard for thousands of years. It's been hard for people. It is. Do it for the Lord, not for people. Why? It doesn't end there. Okay, look at this, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. So let me let me bring it down to this, the core value that I talked about. There's this better reward for you. What's the core value behind that? The core value behind that is this, the core value in the kingdom of God, that in Christ, I can deny what I want temporarily for the sake of what God tells me is to come eternally. That's a mouthful. Let me say it again. Core value in the kingdom of God, if you're taking notes, this would be a great thing to write down, is this. I can deny what I want temporarily because of what God tells me is to come eternally. And can I tell you something, church? Like That's one of the hardest things to believe been having some conversations with some of the guys in our church and it's just opened my eyes as they've challenged me that there's an aspect that we always look for what to do and sometimes we have to stop and look for what to believe, right? Do I really believe that if I lay down what's right in front of me temporarily here in this life, That I will be better off 
in the scope of eternity. Do I truly believe that? I hope there's a dad in the Gospels who runs up to Jesus and his son is dying. And Jesus says, basically, do you have faith in me? Do you believe? And the dad's real quick. He says, I believe. But then he says, help my unbelief. That's life, church. That's our life. I believe. Help my unbelief. This is why the vision is Jesus. This is why Hebrews says that he's both the author and the finisher. And it's why Paul would tell another church that he loved that it is God who works in you, both for his will and his pleasure, that will finish, will complete the work that he started in you. In Christ, it's a very important part of that statement. In Christ, I can deny what I want temporarily for that better reward. But church, if I could convince you of anything today, I want you to think about that fact that there is a better reward. That your external appearance, your external feelings will lie to you. But that God, through Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, offers you salvation eternally. Which leads to blessing eternally. And leads to blessing temporarily. Even in this life as we pray. That his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Let me end here. Close to where I started. Jesus is more concerned with your internal peace than with your external appearance. And can I just call you as a church family to believe that. That shalom is real. Your flourishing and delight, your joy, is one of God's top priorities. But he loves you too much to let you think that the things of this world are going to satisfy that. Amen? Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that as people are listening to your words, that, Father, you would grant us the ability to believe it. No matter where we find ourselves, whether we're watching online or sitting in this room right now or whether at some point in the future somebody will hear the sound of my voice on a podcast or on a YouTube channel, that your word is timeless. And what was true 2,000 years ago on that hill is still true for us today. That there is a better way in you. I pray for anyone within the sound of my voice that has not surrendered their life to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would draw them to yourself right now. That they would believe in their heart, Jesus, that you paid the ultimate price for their sin on the cross. And that three days later, just as your brother James recorded, you stood up out of that grave. And gave us the greatest gift. And that's 
salvation in you. And that if we would just confess it with our mouth and believe it in our heart, that we would be saved. That we could have that inner peace that you're offering. Shalom. And that our life today could begin to flourish. I pray that you would massage that into every heart. Call them to yourself. And I pray the same prayer for those of us that know you, that have known you for years, and yet still struggle to believe all that you've said. Help our unbelief. Jesus, we praise your name. You're the name above every other name worthy of our praise. We love you. And it's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. It's been a good day to worship with you. I'm so glad you were here. If we can serve you in any way, uh, please feel free to reach out to us online. And uh, if you're in the room, we got to clean. So you don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. We love you. Hope you have a great week. Let us know if we can serve you in any way. We'll be praying for you. Love you guys. Thanks for being here.